Welcome to the Conscious Toolbox Podcast, where we ask the question, if your thoughts create your reality, then what kind of tools are you using to shape your experience? The Conscious Toolbox is just that, different tools to assist your conscious awakening. Today, we are going to explore the topics of conscious creativity, the toolbox fallacy, and the power of the emotional charge. This was an interesting conversation to explore for me. It asked me to be vulnerable unexpectedly, and it was a great reminder of some tools that I already had in my toolbox. My introduction to personal transformation began with establishing a regular yoga practice and spontaneous written expression. In my work of personal development and mindfulness practice, I found a need for creative self-expression of what I'm experiencing to give me clarity and balance in order to identify, reflect, and adjust my behavior. The path of awakening and consciousness may have some obstacles when it comes to facilitating growth, and being able to express this growth has accelerated my own experience of self-awareness. I started off conscious dream writing and doodling in my sketchpad, which is why I encourage this in all of my online courses. Over the past few years, I've been playing with conscious creativity, that is, creativity directed towards expanding my consciousness through personal transformation. I use writing and journaling prompts to guide my creativity to get to know myself more and ultimately to heal. Then I take whatever the emotional charge is and I create something artistic with it. So within all of us is a story. And in part of this episode I explore how the brain creates a story about yourself as a form of reference and within this story you are able to view and witness your consciousness. I'm reminded of this quote from one of my favorite fiction authors, Terry Pratchett, and he says, People think that stories are shaped by people. In fact, it's the other way around. Let's join the show already in progress. Today we're going to explore conscious creativity and mindfulness activities. Creativity and mindfulness are terms that are thrown around quite a bit these days. Mindfulness can be defined in many ways, however, presently I'm playing with this definition. Mindfulness is bringing one's attention to the present moment with an open curiosity and a willingness to be with what is. Over the years, mindfulness meditation has become more of a daily practice and a way of life. I have been confronted with the truth within me, my own self-limiting beliefs, my own darkness, and my own gold as well, in my process of self-exploration. Also, I discovered that there is an essence within myself that I see reflected back at me through my relationships. I found a deeper sense of empathy and connection as I understood that, just like me, others are seeking their own fulfillment and experience of life. I was brought to mindfulness meditation and creativity as a way of life as my own desires to be healthier led me to comprehend that while external hygiene is important, that it's only one part and that hygiene and cleansing the mind is just as important as cleansing and purifying the body. So in the yogic tradition, purification teaches the yogi detachment from one's own body. And what I learned through the practice of it is that by making the body pure, we're able to focus less attention on it. Purification also refers to cleansing your personality and your mind as a pure inner state keeps one balanced, grounded, and unaffected by others around you. It's said that the mind can transform nectar into poison and poison into nectar. The question I continually asked myself was, how does one practice mental and emotional hygiene? For me, yoga, qigong, and mindfulness exercises have been an integral addition to my own personal well-being and health. Mindfulness exercises are similar to life hacks, you know, those ingenious ways to maximize your life. And the physical practice of yoga is to purify the body and prepare to sit in a comfortable position so that one can still the mind in meditation. For me, these are spiritual tools, much like a hammer and chisel used in creating a sculpture. Each can chip away the marble to reveal the image beneath the stone, and together they both can function efficiently to create a masterpiece. And that is how my view of myself has adjusted. I see myself and my life these days as an evolving artist, a work in progress, and simultaneously a masterpiece of artwork. 
This is where we will begin to engage the topic of conscious creativity, what it is, and why you can use it to design your life. By definition, creativity is the use of imagination or original ideas to create something, and according to the Oxford Dictionary, it's inventiveness. It's this mental characteristic that allows a person to think outside the box, which results in innovative or different approaches to particular tasks. Essentially, creativity is a solutions-based perspective. It is the combination of available tools and resources that make innovation possible. Each of us is unique, and by that I mean we are the combination of emotions, experiences, and knowledge we attained in life. Not anything new per se, although a creative combination of everything that is around us. Quite often people comment that they aren't creative or don't have any hobbies. First, let me point out that a hobby is not needed to be creative. That's just one of the many myths that surround creativity. Here are some other common creativity myths. A big one is that the inspiration just hasn't hit yet. Maybe you know some of these other ones too. That some people are just born with it. Or that you have to be right-brained. Or creativity just falls in your lap. And the last one is, you know, you've got to be a little crazy to be creative. And perhaps you've run into some of these. Perhaps you've even fallen for some, too. But these aren't just myths. They're also excuses. They're excuses we use to avoid doing the work because we fear rejection, criticism, and failure. The truth hiding in all of this is that we are all creative. And yes, everyone is born with this capacity. The work here in this case is self-study and self-knowledge. And it's so ironic and strange that we quite often push away what we most long for. The ways in which we dismiss doing what is best for us, even when we know it's the correct choice to make. We get caught in this trap between clinging to past ideals or versions of who we think we are, and this aversion to a possible future situation. Now let me remind you that this trap is still a thought in fantasy land that distracts you away from your awareness of the present moment. By pushing away what we most long for, we are essentially saying, if I act upon this, then I will receive some dreaded experience, an unmet need, or worse, that I'll actually succeed. And then what? So then what? What would you do? What would happen if you didn't act upon your creative impulse? And what would be worse than that? And I'm reminded of this quote from Lao Tzu. And for me, it connects consciousness with creativity as a path toward self-actualization. And I quote, Knowing others is intelligence. Knowing yourself is true wisdom. Mastering yourself is true power. Now let's flip the script to change the perspective. To dispel your fears, it also helps to ask yourself the opposite question. What would be better than this? What would be better than sharing your gifts and talents in a unique way? Well, I'll tell you what I've experienced. You find that small successes lead to larger ones. So whatever it is you've been waiting to do, just start with one. One painting, one short story, one song you wrote. A painter paints, a writer writes, and a singer sings. Using your art is the creative path from knowing yourself to mastering yourself. And this leads me to the consciousness side of conscious creativity. Although it's difficult to define, I'll share some of my perspective. Can you point to your mind? No, that's your brain. Where is your mind located? What is the anatomy of your consciousness? Exactly. There's no specific answer for this one. So for that reason, I'll just give definitions from psychology and philosophy. And last, I'll share my own perspective. According to the psychology glossary, consciousness, many have argued, is what separates humans from other animals. Consciousness refers to our awareness of our own mental processes, such as our thoughts, feelings, and sensations. It is possible that we are the only beings on this planet that have this type of self-awareness, or level of consciousness, and the ability to introspect, or look inward, and examine these processes. Let me give you an example. If you are angry... You can try to understand your anger, why you are angry, 
what that anger looks like, what that anger feels like. You can do all these things as far as introspection. But can a cat? And right there, they've defined it. It's self-awareness of our own internal processes and the capacity to take the inner journey. Now, philosophy generally defines consciousness as knowledge shared with another. And it's derived from the Latin. And if you look at the etymology of the word itself, science from Latin means knowledge, knowingness, or expertise. And con means with. So exactly, sharing knowledge. It's a psychological intuition or feeling that a subject has of themselves in relation to statements and actions. And it's also this moral sense, our ability to make moral judgments about good and evil. And so after some years of consciousness exploration through yoga, meditation, and now with the application of hypnotherapy practices, here's my view of consciousness. Imagine this movie metaphor. The brain is a transmitter and projector that sends and receives signals in relation to the mind and the environment. Your thoughts are the film. Physical reality of the world is the monitor, and your personal experience of life is what you perceive on the screen. Remember, your life is the combination of what you make of it and what you let it become. So if you don't like the movie you're watching, then adjust your thoughts and change the film. You are the main character of your own movie in which you are the director, the star, the producer of life's experiences, and your memory is the editor. Last, your self-awareness and ability for introspection is the audience watching your mind movie. Here's something that I've learned through adjusting my mind movie. Focus on what you have control over, which is yourself, and do your best not to take things personally because others are also starring in their own stories too, whether they know it or not. You only have control over your own experience. And once I changed my perspective from, why is this happening to me? And I began to take the perspective of, how is this challenge helping me? And what can I learn from this experience? I started to release the brakes on what triggered me. I saw that what was coming into my awareness was something to be observed. And in my observations, I began to reflect and creatively express whatever came up. To say the least, my mind movie changed. Now, I personally love conscious creativity because I have found, no matter what I've created, that going through the creative process, which included sitting with difficult emotions and then expressing them, this process has empowered me to share some of the methods and exercises that helped me grow in a program like this and through the Conscious Creativity Invitation at lifebycreativedesign.org. Now, why do I mention creativity and consciousness? It's because this combination opens a space of power that permits you to be both the motor and driver of your reality. Remember, you create your reality because you are what you believe. And what you think about, you bring about. Just remember, everyone is creative and artistic and has something important to share with the world. And conscious creativity focuses on applying your creative talents into getting to know yourself, who you are, and using them to manifest the best version of you and your reality. It's both that simple and that complex. It is the application of the creative arts with mindfulness and personal transformation. This system supports and maintains a holistic approach and is dedicated to using a 360 review to gain a better perspective on your life. Scientific research shows that practicing mindfulness, which is yoga, meditation, and awareness exercises, this increases access to creative thought by clearing out the blockages within your system. So why use creativity to design your life? Well, I'll tell you why. And it's because as adults, we've become jaded with this whole been there, done that, we've got the trauma, scars, t-shirt, and the self-help books to prove it mentality. This is our adult mind, and it's come into a form of laziness or complacency regarding creating new experiences. It's that way that we jump to conclusions in a new situation, or when we plan for the worst, yet hope for the best. It's an impatience with life that we're here now to transcend, and it's time to awaken the mind's attention to the many wonders of existence. So hear me out. In the mind-body connection, creativity is a state of relaxation, and it brings the body into a state of homeostasis, or equilibrium. 
And in this state, we forget about our worries, our to-do lists, our deadlines, you name it. And this is because scientists have found that when they were studying the brain in an MRI, for example, the person was told to think about nothing, like an idle car. And they found that the brain becomes more active in what is known as the default mode network. When they ask what is going on with the person during this time, they find that the mind is wandering or daydreaming, and it works as a form of self-reference to our favorite subject, which, of course, is ourselves. You begin to develop a narrative. You can comment, you judge, you criticize, and your mind begins to tell a story in terms of your self-referential you, except it's in the paradox of the past or the future. This is the story of me that has defined who I am, how I view the world, and how others view me. And generally, this is a repetitive story, and a negative one at that. Quite often, the common story we all have is, what's wrong with me? And that's why this story of me is very often a depressing one and a fear-based story. So let me ask you, what if you could gain the means to edit and revise your story of me and become the designer of your reality? How do you want to feel at the end of a long day's work of doing what you love? How do you want to feel when you wake up in your dream home or next to that special someone? Remember, if thoughts are film, then you are essentially the director you have the starring role, you are the producer and editor, as well as the audience in your own mind movie. Creativity is the power to invent, design, prototype, beta test, innovate, and implement your mind movie into action. Because when you're able to focus on a single clear idea and add more details and intention to that single clear idea, the more likely you are to bring those details into your manifestation once it begins to appear. That truly is your ability to actualize something, to manifest it and bring it into your reality. Now, true life artists, we all know that this type of magic takes time. And so by activating the flow state through conscious creativity, you inspire your ingenuity, which is your inner genius. And you activate your intuition, you ignite your expressive talents, and you're able to hack into your higher intelligence. Now to tap into your creativity, you need to re-engage with the senses of your inner child. Looking at the inner world begins with love, and love begins with looking. This is the eye of the curious inner child. Remember how easily you could play and use your imagination as a child? Now we are all born artists. This is the mind of a child. We are all born natural thrill and pleasure seekers. You know, you aren't born angry. You aren't born sad. You aren't born critical, self-defeating, or even a failure. These concepts are learned over time in our life experience of the family dynamic, social engineering, education systems, and the fact that we have competition seeping into all levels of existence. We are all born with this innate knowingness that life is play. Life is magical and fun. Life is what I imagine it to be. Just take a look at any child under six years old and how they're able to take hold of any object and with their imagination, they turn that object into whatever they envision. They don't need expensive toys, videos, or games. With the child, their reality is in the moment-to-moment -moment life that happens with their creative visualization. And as we get older, it just gets beaten out of us. Stripped away by banality, monotony, traumatic events, natural disasters, or even just the harsh realities of everyday life. So let me ask you. When did the magic leave your life? Was it the discovery of the Tooth Fairy, Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, or just the grind of everyday life? The loss of innocence that comes with adulthood and its harsh realities has led you to forgetting some of your inner magic. What if you learned at the moment of your loss of innocence that about 5-10% to 10 of your thoughts actually do affect the world around you? Your brain isn't some kind of computer to be programmed, although it may share many similar functions and processes. In actuality, your brain is a quantum field. It's this theory of quantum cognition. The quantum cognition theory opens the fields of psychology and neuroscience to understanding the mind not as a linear computer, but rather an elegant universe in which paradoxes exist. By examining our minds at a quantum level, we change them. And by changing them, we change the reality that shapes them. So you can generate beneficial experiences, 
and by that I mean useful and enjoyable that affect your experience of life through your mind moving. And here, we're looking to spark our childlike curiosity to ignite our creativity. With your adult mind, you can incorporate both logic and knowledge with the creativity of your inner child. And in bringing up the inner child during this process, we will also heal old wounds from the past. This is known as shadow work, which is bringing into the conscious awareness aspects of the unconscious mind so that it can be released and no longer be the driver of your mind-body vehicle. We're about to come up to a short break. And when we come back, I will share with you some of the other gifts that come from creativity. Check out the website lifebycreativedesign.org and click on the courses link. Right now you can enjoy the vision board course. The best way to predict the future is to design it. And the vision board e-course is an invitation to mindfully observe your life and creatively design it to align with your core values. If you'd like to share the experience with others, please join the Conscious Creativity Invitation that starts on the new moon. There are more courses in the launch process and will be announced here in future transmissions. Thanks for listening to the Conscious Toolbox podcast. When I come back, I'll talk about the power of creativity and the gift from within. After that, we'll finish with a Conscious Creativity exercise, so stay tuned. Welcome back. Creativity is your gift from within, is the essence that dwells inside of you. At the deepest core of every human lies a creative spirit. You, me, everyone has it, though many are barely or not at all aware of its presence. Nevertheless, it's in you. You and I were created from what became before us, and we are given ample opportunity and talent to express this creation forward in our lives. Creative energies come in many forms and arrive from many directions. The creative spirit is an expression of imagination that's freed into the world to be appreciated primarily for its beauty and emotional power. Many good people focus it in religion, others dance with it. Some paint with it, some write it, or play it. Some garden, some live it daily through family and raising of kids and backyard chickens. Others close the door to the world and find this in solitude. All creative paths lead to your true self. So now, creativity is not reserved for the artist alone. It is a necessary part of every life. Because without it, 
Life is dull and flat. Creativity lifts you to a grander view of the world, and in essence, it's what makes you human. Through creativity, your true self will find beauty and compassion in a world often lacking. Creativity liberates you, it raises your vibrational level, and it lifts your spirits. Now, Brenda Uland, author of the 1938 book, If You Want to Write, a book about art, independence, and spirit, she shares that everyone is talented, original, and has something important to say. She goes on to include that inspiration comes to us slowly and quietly and all the time, though we must regularly and every day give it a little chance to start flowing. But most poignantly, she remarks that an artist uses their artistry to try to discover your true, honest, and untheoretical self. Personally, I know the creative spirit as divine, subtle, luminous, overwhelming, and a transcendent power. It is the experience of being in the moment, shedding thoughts, and letting the mind sink into the abyss. Creativity is the deepest part of our being, pulsing below its outward expression. It is the light in the painting, the movement of the words, and the rhythm of the music. To harness the power of creativity, we must first unlearn the lessons that continue to nip at our heels. Those lessons that told us that we needed to fit in or to stay invisible. One must simultaneously hold a seriousness and a playfulness when taking up the creative life. The choice to express your creativity requires a stand against conformity, acquiescence, compliance, fear, and tyranny. At times, this is imposed on us by others, but most often this is self-inflicted. Because it takes courage to create, and courage means going forward in spite of the fear. We often have to sift through layer upon layer of cultural, religious, and scientific dogma to reach the place where our creative spirit's been buried. Each of us is a family historian, whether we like it or not. And as Brenda Euland reminds us, families are great murderers of the creative impulse. We carry invisible grudges, regrets, shame, and confusion stemming from family life. We carry our family histories in ways that startle and confuse us into adulthood. We drag it through fatigue, depression, discouragement, and fear. And the question is now, what do you do with it? Well, one option, the easy one, the one that most people take, is denial, repression, and distraction. To turn on the TV, to read a book, to go out to eat, to go to a movie. Now, conscious creativity is another option. Write your own words. Cook your own food. Make your own mind movie. Create your own life. I found a few obstacles along the way, and one of them is a myth that I'd like to share with you. And it's the way that we hold ourselves back through the myth known as the toolbox fallacy. And the fallacy is just this, that I'm doing this until I'm successful at actually doing what I love. The fallacy of just being a shadow artist. The myth that until you have enough experience or have the right certifications and the best equipment, then then you can actually begin your work towards making your dreams into a reality. The myth that you need something outside of you to make you happy, healthy, whole, and complete. And only then can you live your best life. And in this way, days go by, and life slowly becomes whatever we let it as we procrastinate putting our talents into action. In my own experience, I kept putting off my dreams, one of which is sharing this with you. I kept saying to myself, I can't do Y until I have X. Or, once I have enough certifications, then I'll start my own hypnotherapy practice. Or, until I have the right laptop, microphone, or other equipment, then I'll start creating this project. And in this way, I continue to justify getting more certifications, taking more workshops, rather than teaching and sharing from my own knowledge and experience. I had accumulated so many tools in my toolbox that had helped me to expand my awareness that I had realized... And in my depression in particularly, I stopped utilizing most of them. I lost my drive. And what preceded that was when I stopped maintaining a daily practice. I kept working at my day job and only treating my talents as a side project. I worked more and I created less. And slowly my dreams were fading. I'd come to a point where I had to question, is this all I really am? This person I became while I was waiting to start my life. I had to remind myself that a tool is as purposeful as a person utilizing it. And tools only work if you use them. And this is the toolbox fallacy. This has been one of the biggest lies I personally told myself. Quite often, the fear of failure refers more to the fear of success. Because then if I achieved my dreams, then what? Well, 
I'd have to do something about it, right? And I'd have to continue following my highest excitement. I'd have to be self-responsible and reliant and make my own schedule and maintain the discipline to create something daily. This fallacy had pervaded various parts of my life until one day I saw that I was a shadow artist. I had been a classroom language teacher for many years, and I loved creating interactive and dynamic lessons. It was the same way that I knew that the menu is just a list of ingredients, and I discovered that language is the code we use to define our reality. Language is everything, so we could talk about just about anything. So what do you want to talk about? This was just such a beautiful time as I let my creativity shine in the classroom because some of the topics around health and wellness practices that I was learning about outside of the classroom, these became lessons that I would bring into class. And it generated such great discussions and connections. Those were some memorable times. And at some point, though, after years of teaching others how to make small talk in a foreign language, I found myself at a loss when it came to doing this on my own because deeper down I craved intelligent conversations about anything except the obvious weather, sports, or current events. Deep down, I craved to guide dynamic lessons about a variety of topics revolving around consciousness and awakening. What I loved about being in the classroom is the old adage, to teach is to learn, and it's also vice versa. Yet I still had some sense of not enough tools in my toolbox to be the one in front of others sharing, guiding, and teaching as if I'm perfect or as if I have all of my own paradoxes resolved. Now, without going into too much detail, I experienced a tragic loss, and all of my unresolved emotional issues were unleashed. In my grief, time stopped. I stopped creating, or should I say I started and stopped again and again. And as the mourning and sadness turned into stagnation, a deep depression followed. I realized that I needed, as all humans need, interesting tasks, challenges, and problems to solve to fulfill the day. When it was time for me to start living life again, I went back to when I was most fulfilled, in the classroom. I relished being back in the beginning. It felt like home with great students from all around the world, an amazing teaching staff, and a great administration. It was only a short time later that this little voice in the back of my mind would point out, hey, you remember you're a shadow artist, right? You work in the industry alongside the one you dream about living. And in this way, time passed, and the voice got louder. The fallacy of I needed more time to heal. The fallacy that I was a faulted individual, and I needed to reconcile my past with the pain and suffering that I had caused to others, because only then I could move forward. Or that I needed to earn some more certifications, or that I had to go to one more workshop and gain another tool from my conscious toolbox before I could publish, or before I can even begin to create the fallacy that I needed the right equipment. The hard truth inside of all of this is that even when I got the next certification or went to another workshop, that not having those things wasn't what I was lacking. Having a monkey wrench doesn't make you a plumber. Using one does, and an artist creates. Whether it's decorating a culinary dish or writing some new jokes, creativity generates more creativity. Now each time we create something new, a painting, a short story, a new song. We're creating various markers in the stream of time through our memories. And the longer we go without creating meaningful anchors in our reality, the further away our dreams will drift. An artist creates the same as a writer writes and a painter paints. And this is the essence of the toolbox fallacy, that someday my dream will come. Someday, being some other day than today. That until I can X, then I'll start Y. You name the reason for the excuse. Now what acknowledging this fallacy does is it shows you that you can remove your own blockages and get rid of your own obstacles. If you're not familiar with the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza, I highly recommend his books and talks, especially when it comes to understanding the scientific perspective of how thoughts shape reality based on your experience. Well, he remarks that 70% of thoughts that you think today are the same as the day before. So I took some time to reflect upon what type of consistent thoughts kept occurring. I spent 24 hours just observing my thoughts like a fly on the wall and noticing how often a voice of self-loading belief would blurt out something like, that's not perfect, you'll never get it done right, or how will anyone love you again? Because my underlying insecurities and self-sabotage would speak in various ways 
by taking my attention away from the present moment, and it kept saying, well, yeah, but, what about this and that, and a whole bunch of other what-ifs, what if this goes wrong. I saw I had been chasing some hungry ghosts. One ghost was one of the person who I once was, and the other one was the life that remained unlived and stagnant within me. You see, I'd been given a gift, which didn't feel like a gift at the time. I just want to remind you that this life is precious, and what you choose to make of it is up to you. Also, just know that your life is also what you let it become through those repetitive thoughts and habits. The habits I had while I was grieving became some of the same habits that kept me depressed. I had gained weight and I ate my emotions. I would distract myself with endless entertainment. I knew that as I healed, that I would have to break some of the habits that I created to survive. Those habits and patterns were no longer needed and had become detrimental when it came to moving forward and engaging with the life that I had found unlived within me. So I had to come back to my toolbox and to use some of the basic tools that got me started on this path. So I started a daily yoga, meditation, and breathwork routine as I sought to replace the coping responses that I had developed. These responses had the tendency to self-medicate to the point of escapism that had become a habit in my depression. Now I'm at a point in life where I choose to strive to invest my time in creating more, exploring, learning, challenging my capacities, and improving my talents. I've organized my life and scheduled time to make my dreams a reality. There are still some major parts of the dream that are unclear, but I'll tell you what I am clear about is how I want to feel while I make them happen. And this is something that we will work on today with creating our own mind movie. I am reminded by one of my teachers, a master clinical hypnotherapist, that the memory is the model for reality. That's why I had been chasing the ghost of who I once was because when I came back to that place, I was also confronted with the person and personality I once was in that place too. This was yet another part of reconciling my past. Now the same teacher, he also taught me that to tap into the life unlived within, you can do this by cultivating the emotions that resonate with how you choose to feel as you begin to manifest your reality. Because we don't manifest what we want, we manifest what we are. So if I am, or I was, a series of self-limiting thoughts and habits, repeating 70% of what I thought and felt yesterday, what was I letting my life become? And for me, honestly, that was a difficult mirror to look at. In regards to the toolbox fallacy, self-awareness doesn't make those perspectives go away, yet it does give me the freedom to choose what I do about them from here. You see, once something is brought from the unconscious mind to the conscious mind, we're able to observe the thought, habit, or pattern without judgment or reaction. And that is the freedom to choose another way of being, doing, or having whatever it is in that moment. And with each choice in a different or new direction, the old automatic ways of thinking and being become less and less. It's no longer about vanquishing your demons. It's about living above them. And personally, yes, I set high standards for myself, and I have had to learn how to manage my own fear of failure at not achieving goals or living up to my own ideals. I've learned that by being guided by my principles and values, I can achieve my ideals and live my goals. And that is why I'm less attached to the outcome anymore, and I am more connected to the intention I set out and the emotions I generate while I dedicate time to designing the life I choose to live and then I also take care of my responsibilities. Now when it comes to managing my fear of failure, I've had to accept two things. First, that failure is inevitable from time to time, and creativity provides solutions to what was once the problem or obstacle. And then I also had to remind myself every now and again of how far I've come, versus never even started doing any of this work, both inner and outer work. And that all of these small setbacks, these delays, or perceived failures are still more fulfilling days than the days that I had never even gotten started. So the emotional charge of those background thoughts, particularly at the micro level, had become a coping mechanism that supported my depression as I carried them day to day. 
I dug back into my toolbox. I got back on my yoga mat and my meditation bench. For me, movement and training my mind are tools that help me to dispel and transmute that stagnant energy in my body. And sitting with my eyes closed in silence gives me a chance to be more familiar with my thoughts and those emotional charges so that I can be more in the present moment. This leads me to the next subject of today's transmission, the power of an emotional charge. Our brain is hardwired to remember certain experiences for survival purposes. That's how our hunter-gatherer brain is organized. In the past, it was to avoid mortal danger. It was pushed into the red zone by the event that triggered the fight-flight-freeze mechanism, and the highly charged event was remembered and then recounted over and over again to help protect others in the future. Now generally, life is spent in the green zone of emotions. Just remember that our evolutionary neuropsychology has helped us to save us in the past, and that same brain is the brain that functions today. Only now, the brain has confused our demanding everyday lives with the mortal dangers of the past. And what does that mean for us now? Well, it means, for example, if you have 10 statements, the one that is remembered is whichever one has the highest emotional charge. And that one most commonly is the most negative, repulsive, or extreme. In other words, you could have nine compliments and one complaint, and the brain is trained to remember the complaint so that it's anticipated and solved in the future. We also carry forward the emotional charge from the complaint, and we are microdosing our nervous systems with the emotions that resonate with that event. Now we're about to take our last break. But before we do, think about this as you go through your day today. How many of these events that transpire will have an emotional charge? Is this something that can affect you? How many of these events will you remember? They say that 50% of our memories are incorrect because they're also remembered by the emotional charge at the time and the subsequent meaning and interpretation that we give to that event. And I know I've had bad days because of just one interaction or conversation or even a difficult 20 minutes. So yeah, I've been there. I've had an emotional reaction that I didn't let go of. I held on to it, my mood over time became sour, and to say the least, I played the part really well of high-functioning depressed. And my memory continued day to day. So yeah, I too have experienced some moments where a certain emotional reaction lasted longer than it should have. And it has been through cultivating a system of different daily habits and routines and knowing the art and science of psychology, in particular my own psychology, that have helped me immensely. So tonight, let's practice your first mind movie. With your head on the pillow, you're not awake but you're not asleep, you're going to make two mind movies. The first one is replay all the events from your day, from the moment you woke up to the time you go to sleep. Just notice and observe which memories stand out. Why is that memory more memorable than the others? What is the emotional charge that accompanies it? Just notice and observe which memories stand out from the day. Which ones are more memorable than the others? And what is the emotional charge that accompanies them? Take a moment and think about that tonight while you fall asleep on the pillow. And just remind yourself of all the different things you accomplished through the day. Now the second mind movie we'll make together with a guided meditation at the end of this transmission. And so coming back to the conscious toolbox, and the tool I'd like to share with you today is what we've been talking about. Your memory is your model for reality. So if you have a highly charged red zone memory of something the mind will create a mini expectation of the possible dreaded experience happening again and initiate a coping response. This microdoses your nervous system with that cocktail of red zone neurochemicals associated with something that is essentially still a fantasy, not even real in the world, only real in idea and in the mind. But your body remembers it because it's quietly being told that it's in the red zone now. And what I'm getting at here is that while the brain has evolved survival instincts by using red zone memories to sustain living, 
we can utilize this engineering of the memory and the emotions associated with specific events to fuel our creative process using green zone memories. This is the power of the emotional charge. As beneficial past experiences are recalled, you begin to have an emotional felt experience of the memory. So now that we've explored how memory stores highly charged events, what do you say we practice some visioneering and conscious creativity? When we come back, we'll create the second mind movie. Listening to the second episode of the Conscious Toolbox Podcast. I've been your host, Jamie Suss. Thanks again for listening. And if you like what you heard, please check out lifebycreativedesign.org and join the Conscious Creativity Invitation. Also, if you'd like to support and help grow the Conscious Toolbox community, there are links below in the description. Stay tuned for the next episode where I talk about how to harness the power of your enthusiasm and why I choose hypnotherapy. Let me review. Beyond the integration of healthy body movement and or meditation with art, what is conscious creativity? Conscious creativity is the ability to open your mind and engage with the senses of your inner childlike wonder and amazement. It's the ability to suspend your fear, resistance, and judgment to use your natural abilities to create. Conscious creativity allows you to take a long, hard look in the mirror so you can tap into your ingenuity and be able to think, reflect, and create based on a heart-centered perspective. So the last part for today is the conscious creativity exercise. And we're going to use the visionary technique to make our second mind movie. This will be the second movie you make tonight. Now if you can daydream, then you can easily do this exercise. Please be sure to be in a comfortable place where you can sit or lie down for a few minutes, undistracted with your eyes closed. Begin to take some full body inhales and full body exhales. And you can start to do this by making the in breath and out breath longer. Continue to breathe deep into the belly and calm the mind. You'll know when you have calmed the mind as you will feel a deep inner sigh in the body as a wave of relaxation. Now here, in your comfortable space, breathing and relaxed, take a moment and reflect. Let's take a journey back in time and time travel. Can you remember a moment, think of a time, when everyone was there celebrating you? Perhaps a standing ovation, perhaps a birthday party. Is there a time that you can remember a moment of feeling on top of the world? That everyone is there cheering you on for something you achieved, accomplished? Everyone is there acknowledging you. Can you think of a moment? Take this time to describe and narrate that moment. Why are people there? Where are you? What is the location? Who is with you? Why are people celebrating? What types of clothes are you wearing? What types of decorations are there? Begin to create a felt experience within this memory. What are the emotions that are present there too? And as you begin to cultivate more and more of this memory and bringing an emotional felt experience into it, begin to include your senses. Can you name some things that you see? Are there any smells, fragrances? What other sounds are around you? 
when you look down at your hands, what do you feel? What textures? And last, is there a taste you have in your mouth? Now take that healthy saliva that has formed in your mouth and swallow it. Continue to breathe and saturate your awareness with this memory and tell your body, this is my creative fuel. This is the mind movie of me being celebrated. Think of this type of mind movie like creating your own deja vu. How will you know that you've succeeded in the future? Well, you'll know because you know what it feels like because you have been celebrated in the past. Continue to breathe. Imagine, sense, and feel all the different aspects of your mind moving. And in a few moments, we'll come back to being awake, aware, and alert. some time to saturate your mind and body with all of the positive emotions and senses and feelings from this memory of being celebrated. It's time to come back to waking consciousness. So become aware of your space, your physical surroundings, the time of day, and take a big inhale and reach your arms up over your head. And on your exhale, relax your hands down, relax your shoulders. And as you're ready, blink your eyes open. This is the power of the emotional charge and your ability to use past green zone memories as fuel for the life that you choose to create. This has been the Conscious Toolbox Podcast. I've been your host, Jamie Suss. See you in the next transmission.